The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on March 3rd, 2013, based on Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus speaks to us today through Luke chapter 13, the words of the gospel lesson that you heard read earlier. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. I think it was the comedian Jeff Foxworthy who told a joke something like this. He and his wife had been invited out, and as he was about ready to leave the house, He was going to call out to his wife whether she was prepared to head out for their uh, dinner appointment. But then he hears these words coming from the bathroom. My hair is awful. Without another word said, he knows he better call ahead and tell them they'll be running a little late. Patience waits. And to be fair, how much more patient aren't our wives with us? Patient Uh, waiting for us to get that chore done or finish watching the game or get back from hunting. How patient my wife is when I leave things lying around where I shouldn't really leave them lying around. Love is patient. But also, as you all well know, patient love at times has to stop waiting. For example, you may patiently tell your child, your little child, about the dangers of the street and traffic and how they need to look both ways. But if that child starts running out as the traffic whizzes by, you're not going to wait, no matter how patient you are. The Apostle Peter writes, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting any one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And in Luke chapter 13 here, Jesus illustrates his great patience, that patience that the Apostle Peter wrote about. Jesus illustrates the truth of those words. And we see from Jesus' words here in Luke 13 that the Lord's patience is nothing to trifle with. His call to repentance isn't something for us to postpone until a later date. Whereas Jesus also makes clear in this chapter, there is a time in which the Lord's patience does come to an end. Hear the Lord's call while his patience still calls out for us. For you see, dear friends, the Lord's patience is still calling out to you and to me today. For us today, it is still not too late. Hear Christ's patience calling to you. That's the theme here today. Hear Christ's patience calling to you. Take to heart those words. As the Holy Spirit moves each one of us to confess how terrifying my own sin is. For only in seeing the terror of our sin do we know the sweetness of Christ's forgiveness. 
And as you taste that gracious, compassionate forgiveness from your Savior, the Holy Spirit moves each of us to exclaim, How fruitful Jesus wants my faith to be. That's the second part for today. But first of all, part one. How terrifying my own sin is. What's this world coming to? That may be what was going through the minds of some of those people who were listening to Jesus. Just before the text here, Jesus had been telling the crowds to rightly read the signs of the times. And it appears that some of them thought they could read those signs pretty well. Yeah, we know how bad things are getting. Did you hear about those Galileans? What happened to them in the temple courtyard? They were bringing their sacrifices to the altar and Pilate's soldiers barge through and execute them right there. They must have done something pretty bad for God to let that happen. What's this world coming to? I'm glad I'm not that bad. Yes, what is this world coming to, dear friends? We we could ask that question still today. For we see how wickedness is increasing and even dominating. In, in fact, it's, it's often praised as beneficial. For example, coveting more stuff and accumulating earthly trophies of success is sold as the American dream. The killing of the unborn has now been legal in our country for just over 40 years, a full generation. Pornography is piped into living rooms and bedrooms via TVs and, uh, and, and computers. The government is trying to redefine a marriage, even though God is the one who designed a marriage and gave it to us. You turn on the evening news and you hear of wars. Africa, Syria, all those other hot spots. And how long until another shooting on American soil jumps to the headlines? Yes, what is this world coming to? How tempting for you and me to look out there and shake our finger at that wicked world and deep down inside think, I'm glad I'm not that bad. Oh, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. But what does Jesus say? Do you think that those were worse sinners? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And he says this not only about the wickedness that happens out there in the world, but in the same way when we hear of tragedies or accidents, like when Jesus mentioned that Siloam Tower falling on those people in Jerusalem, those 18. When we hear of tragedies or accidents, we dare not imagine that, oh, those people must be guilty of a greater debt of sin to have that happen to them, to have, have them suffer in that way, or, or vice versa. When, when things are going fine with us and are okay, we, we shouldn't think that, well, we mustn't be quite as guilty as those other people out there. No. When we hear of a tragic accident, what does Jesus say? Unless you repent, you too will all perish. When we see the wickedness and the tragedies of the world around us, that is a call for each one of us individually to examine our own hearts. For you see, the wickedness isn't just out there, is it? 
It's right here inside me and inside you. For you and I, dear friends, are made out of that same fallen human nature as the people out there are made out of. We all share the same inherited sinfulness. And even though maybe we can hide it or put on a good show so that other people think we're, we're fine, we're good people, we're nice people, the all-seeing eyes of the judge knows what lurks in the darkest corners of our hearts. And the only reason you and I have not perished under his death sentence already is because he is patient. And in the same way, when we hear of the suffering that another, others are going through due to some accident or tragedy, realize that we too, that I deserve to suffer far worse. In fact, we deserve to perish. Hell is far, far worse than anything we hear of in the news. Unless you repent, you too will perish. How terrifying my own sin is. How terrifying your sin is. But dear friend, Jesus paid the debt of your sin. Even that deepest, darkest sin. Jesus paid for all of your sins, no matter how great a debt you have racked up against God. He has paid for every last cent of it. For you see, Jesus paid for all the sins of the entire world, which must include all of your sins, dear sinner. Every last one of them, no matter how numerous, even the ones you are unaware of. For you see, all the sins of the world were counted against Jesus. Yes, our debt of sin and the debt of every other sinner in this world was marked on Jesus' record. And he paid that debt up in full. He patiently carried that debt to the cross and paid it up in full with his holy, precious blood. And he speaks that promise to you every time you drink his blood in the Lord's Supper. Yes, how terrifying my own sin is. But how much greater is the blood of Christ. How much more valuable his sacrifice in our place. How much sweeter his forgiveness. His patience calls us to repentance. For he is rich in forgiveness. His patience keeps on calling. Yes, how patient he is that he keeps on calling us to repentance. Hear his call and keep on taking it to heart. For you see, dear Christian, repentance isn't just something that happened back when we became a Christian. It's not something that we are now over and done with and can move on to other aspects of Christian living or spiritual experiences. No. Jesus' call to repentance is an ongoing, continuous Repentance each and every day of our lives. For we daily sin much. We daily pray, forgive us our trespasses 
And oh, how great our Lord's patience is. How rich His mercy that is new every morning. For even though we are so slow, yet He has not yet taken away from us His word and sacraments. But rather He is still proclaiming His gospel, the good news of peace with God by the forgiveness of our sins. He is still proclaiming his gospel to us through those word and sacraments. He keeps on calling us to repentance. Hear his call. Unless you repent, you too will perish. How terrifying your sins and mine are. How we deserve to perish forever. But how patient our Lord is who keeps on calling to you and me, keeps on working repentance in our hearts. And repentance rejoices in Jesus' forgiveness. That's faith. Faith in God's promise of forgiveness. Faith that trusts that Jesus has paid the debt of your sin up in full. And that faith produces fruit. How fruitful Jesus wants your faith to be, dear Christian. And that brings us to the second part here. As we return to Luke chapter 13, we see that Jesus continues speaking to the crowd by telling them a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. There is a fig tree planted in the good soil of a vineyard. That's the way the owner wanted it. And the owner is expecting it to produce figs, of course. For three years, he keeps on coming, looking for that fruit, but doesn't find any. And finally, he tells the worker in the vineyard to cut it down. Why should it keep on using up the soil too? Yes, he has been patient, hasn't he? For three years, he's been coming. But the worker in that vineyard asks for a little bit more time. How great, how great the patience And during that coming year, he'll work around that tree, breaking up the soil, fertilizing it, and oh, if it would produce fruit. But if not, cut it down. Jerusalem was planted in the vineyard of God's people. About three years before Jesus spoke these words, a voice in the wilderness, John the Baptist, called out to the people in Judea and Jerusalem, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And Jesus continued proclaiming that same message. But Jerusalem refused to listen. They rejected Jesus. Oh, how he longed to gather them to himself like a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but they were not willing. There was no fruit. Oh, how patient God had already been with them. But soon Jerusalem would see the full extent of the Lord's patience and love. For in the coming year, the heart and soul of the gospel would unfold right there in Jerusalem for for them to witness. Jesus, the Lamb of God, would sacrifice himself on the cross outside the city gates. They would hear the testimony that Jesus had risen from the dead, the proof that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the proof that God justifies sinners for Jesus' sake. 
Oh, how Jesus worked that soil around Jerusalem. How he patiently longed for their repentance and fertilized them with the rich nutrients of the gospel. How generously and lavishly he showed his love for them. But the axe was at the root of the tree. And if they did not believe his promises and produce fruit, they would be cut down. And you know how they, Jerusalem, rejected and persecuted the apostles and was destroyed by the Romans. At your baptism, dear Christian, at your baptism, God planted you in his vineyard. And how patiently Jesus works with you and me every day, breaking up the soil, or you could say breaking through the hardness that so easily calluses our hearts. With his law, he he exposes our sin, breaking through that that sinful pride. He he breaks through that that indifference that we can so easily set in as we take his word for granted. And how richly he fertilizes you and me with the good news of his gospel. He richly, generously lavishes that gospel on us, not only through the scriptures, but through baptism and the Lord's Supper as well. He wants you to know and believe his love. He wants you to trust his promises of forgiveness more and more. So lavish. So lavish is his love as he he works through his word with you and with me. How fruitful he wants your faith to be. For you see, the Lord keeps on calling us to this daily repentance so that we keep on producing the fruits of faith because that's what faith does. Faith wants to serve our Lord. We need to guard against that thought that, oh, since I was baptized some time ago, since I still know things about Jesus, it doesn't matter what I say or do, it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, apart from works. Nothing we do can or does save us. Jesus alone saves, but faith, real saving faith, is active. It is living, powerful. It is a faith that is doing what our Savior wants us to do. A faith that is not at work, a faith that is not producing fruit, is dead, James tells us. Or Jesus put it this way, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. A good tree produces good fruit, Jesus says. If there is no fruit, then there must be no faith. And the axe is at the root of the tree. Every tree that does not produce good produce fruit will be cut down. And so the Lord keeps on calling out to us with that voice of repentance, calling us to repentance patiently, day after day, for he wants to nourish our faith. Keep your faith rooted in God's word so that it absorbs those rich nutrients of his love as you hear his call to repentance 
and produce and keep on producing the fruit. For you see, faith knows the patient love of our Savior and His kindness. And so faith wants to show kindness, love, patience, and gentleness towards others, just as Jesus has shown to us. That's a fruit of repentance that faith produces. Faith knows the patient forgiveness of our Savior toward us, and so faith forgives those who sin against us. That's a fruit of repentance that faith produces. Faith knows how Jesus patiently endured that suffering and agony in our place. And so faith is horrified at the thought of sinning against Jesus. Rather, rather faith wants to follow Jesus, carrying our cross no matter what the cross cost. Faith wants to serve Jesus, obeying his commands. That's a fruit of repentance that faith produces. Faith knows that Jesus has carried all the sins of the world, patiently borne them to the cross. And so faith wants to use our God-given gifts to build up the body of Christ and edify the church by spreading that gospel to others to draw them to Christ and by encouraging our fellow believers with that same gospel. Faith knows that Like this worker in the vineyard here, Jesus intercedes to the Father for us, pointing to his once and all for all sacrifice. And so faith wants to pray for others, interceding for them. That's a fruit of repentance that faith produces. Yes, dear Christian friends, faith knows that Jesus gave his life for us. And so in Uh, And so faith sings, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. How fruitful Jesus wants your faith to be. And so he patiently keeps calling us to repentance. Through his law and gospel, he works that repentance in our hearts so that we keep on believing his promise and keep on producing the fruits of faith. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hear his patience calling to you. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.